Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Today on the show, it's we're finally arrived at Memorial Day, so it's decision time for Dan Duquette. Do we have enough information to make this decision? Also, there's been a little drama between Chris Davis and Jim Palmer, which I am itching to talk about. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Section336.com up birds, be ready to ride. Your host, Matt Shasha Bird, are ready to fly. Baltimore's best, Section 336. The number one sports broadcast gets your fix. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck, our favorite Orioles. What's the latest lineup? Home runs and stolen bases. This is a trip. Stay tuned in at 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I'm your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany Bert Rode. What up, 336ers? And by the button lover, Josh Sroka. How you guys doing? Good, good. And we also, we have a fourth seat today. Fourth, Mike. Yep. We're joined by Kyle Andrews from Fox Sports 1340 AM. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, how's it going, everyone? What's up, Kyle? We're excited to have you on here. I get tired of hearing uh, Bert and Josh... uh, (laughs) You, I, I know what they'll say about the Orioles before they even <laughs> before we even start the show, so I'm I'm, I'm excited to hear another opinion. Uh, you just care about Kyle because one day he asked about you. Yeah, that's all you care about. Well, yeah, he 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 he, he did, and I tell you what, I'm looking. For, I'm also looking forward to Kyle because Kyle has a good podcast voice, which I appreciate. <laughs> I mean, um, I try, I try. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm jealous. I wish I wish I had. I wish I had to, and sometimes I try to pretend like I have a deep voice like that, but I. What, what do you mean he it. asked about you? What is that? What am I missing there? We did, you know, he did a little interview at the uh, at the beginning of the season, spring training, uh huh, about about the podcast and about the Orioles. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. I remember that. Yeah. I was gonna say I've got some of the other dads on T ball uh, on the T ball team asking him, "Is that guy with the brown bag on his head? Is that your brother in law?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yep." I'm actually sitting right next to him in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been that kind of season. You're your famous guy, man. Um, Bert, we're glad to have Bert back because because last week we were only a, a show of two. Yeah, it was uh, craziness I'm, last Monday. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking, now that I saw you, I mm. I automatically felt guilty because there was an incident last week with with I guess with uh, your wife's school and she didn't get it. she was they were on lockdown, right? The school where my wife teaches was one of the three that was on lockdown. She didn't get home to about nine thirty that night last that, Monday. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. So it was my wife and my daughter who's a student in her third grade class at Seven Oaks Elementary. Uh so yeah. I I I didn't want to get on the podcast, you know, still not knowing that they hadn't been even been released to come home yet right and that's i think a, you guys had wrapped up the show and they still weren't home yet yeah that's so crazy it was it was a nutty day man i'm telling you so yeah uh we had police uh, baltimore county police and 
Maryland State Troopers coming up and down our driveway, even as late as 8.30 at night, they were still back in the woods behind my house and stuff. And there was Burt Rohde, blinds down, peeking through the blinds, <laughs> right. seeing what's pretty, going on. Pretty much, or checking my ring cams, like right. I had my cameras, motion detectors going off all the time. It was nuts, but uh, it's good to be back in studio with you guys. But I feel guilty because I meant to call your wife, my sister, I meant to call her this oh, yeah. week to talk to her about it. I always think of calling around like 5 o'clock, and then I think with you know three kids, that's probably the worst possible time to call. I should wait till like eight or nine. Yeah. And then I always forget to call. And by eight and or nine, we're, we're usually asleep unless no. I'm recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to be back. All back right. in studio with the old boys. Yeah. we got. I, I'm itching to see what you think about the latest development the Orioles are now that you've been. Uh, oh, sure. Right. Because things have really changed in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> things are on the upswing. Yeah. All right. So it's Memorial Day. Well, Dan, Dan Duquette's deadline. Yeah, Dan Duquette, you know, and I think it's fair, right, to, to take to Memorial Day to, to, to make a decision on the direction of the club. Now we're there, mm-hmm. and the direction's pretty clear, right? So my, my the next question is, okay, the direction should be clear. So what are the next events to happen? And, it will like, it's, it's Memorial Day. Will stuff start happening soon? And if so, what will happen? Well, I'm at the edge of my seat here because I'm <laughs> right. certainly not watching the games. So what can I watch? I can wait for something that exciting to happen, a move to happen. What's going to be the move? Like, what the, happens uh, now? Do the Dodgers still need a shortstop? I mean, there was a lot of uproar about that, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, it's died down big time. Right. There's hasn't really been any trade talk lately. Britain's supposed to be healthy and start rehab next week. Yeah. So Memorial Day really doesn't change anything. Uh, I think this Memorial Day is that when Dan Duquette starts answering the phone. Well, it, it, he's already said he's he's they're they're all already been talking about him talking about Manny Machado trade talk. Of course, that, that's already uh, of course they just had the series in Chicago. Yes, where that's there was one of the lots, teams. lots of talk about Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean Rosenthal had an article out. Oh, well, not an article, a video about uh, Manny possibly being moved to the Braves, but that's only if he plays third. And you know, obviously, yeah. right now he. He doesn't. Nobody knows if he actually will be willing to play third. So I know it's just one of those situations. Well, right, it's whatever man it's, he wants. It's a similar yeah. situation with Cleveland, right? Where Cleveland looked at because their prospects could be a realistic situation, but that would mean him playing third base if he goes uh, to to Cleveland. So that's another one. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, if you're traded, you don't have much of a choice, right? But if you're looking, if that team, like if the Phillies trade for Manny Machado, they're looking to play him and then re-sign him. Right. Right. And so. If you're looking to resign him, you have to have a shortstop spot for him. He's not resigning to play third base anywhere. Right. That's the way he's going to sign his contract to play shortstop. That's the way it appears. And if you're going to, the problem is, you, any type of prospects that are get, are given up, you're giving those up, banking on being able to resign him and and invest in him. So it really probably it really makes you wonder how much it, that also hurts what the Orioles can get in return. Him not wanting to play third base. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they can get a whole lot in return anyway. Yeah, with yeah. with just a couple of months of the guy. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, I'm really curious to see what happens. Right? How many teams are interested? Whether it be a bid more. I mean, if you look at the the NL, like every team's still in it. <laughs> like the NL is crazy, and and teams right. that you thought would not be in it, like the Braves and Phillies, are in it, and, and teams, the Brewers are in it, and all and, these teams you thought right. maybe want to be in it are in it, and teams Anyone like the, the Braves, Reds. the Braves and the Phillies. They're going through their rebuilding, and they could use a core guy like Machado long term to yeah. to be that foundation. Yeah. Um, can, can we back up a step? And I want to hear Kyle's perspective, especially on this. 
it's Memorial Day. How, how did I just I look back at this roster of how the roster when when it was you know at the beginning of the season spring training I was like ah I maybe we're a 500 team and then all of a sudden we we we, we signed Kashner and then Cobb even later and all of a sudden you got oh man like this could be a team that can win 86 games everything goes right maybe even 90 games and we're from that point to the same group of players couple small injuries but nothing major so now we're looking at a team with the worst record in baseball Kyle how did we even like what do you, I don't even understand what we're watching here because on paper it looks like guys with good track records who are good baseball players and maybe not the best team in the world but certainly not the worst team in baseball any insight on like what happened here well, from what I've seen so far with the Orioles, especially like starting the season off, they just all slumped at the same time. Mm. Everybody in the lineup, like, mm. I mean, you could see Scope slumping, Jones slumped. The only person that really didn't slump was uh, Manny, obviously. And yeah. Manny's and, been on fire. And at the beginning of the season, Trey Mancini a little bit, but now he's starting yeah. to slump too, but yeah. Yeah, a bunch of those guys were just like, you know, it was, it was a couple, like you said, a couple of nicks and injuries here and there, but... Nothing too major. I know everybody always wants to go back to, well, Zach Britton was out. And that, I mean, I do believe that made a lot of a difference, too, because let's say Zach Britton's in that closers role instead of Brad Brock. I feel like some saves, you know, go more the Orioles' way, so they maybe get, like, four or five more wins out of that. Yeah, it's true. Um, And you probably, at that point, you might not even keep a guy like Nestor Cortez to even start the season because that's another solid guy in the bullpen. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so you have more, you know, relievers that some guys they had to hold on to. Pedro Araujo. I keep – it's hard. <laughs> you do it. I just call him Pedro. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe he's still on this team. Pedro, now. not yeah. Strope. Yeah, I mean – And in, not Alvarez. I'd rather have Strope or we got Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, even defensively, they haven't had the same defensive capabilities that they've had in the past. So, I mean, all those play a part into, like, why they're losing right now. It's not that – this whole team's poor. It's not a. It's not a horrible team. Yeah, and I don't think their record actually is accurate of what they are. But I also think that it's also coming to the point where you have to make some moves right now. Mm. You have to try to you know inject some new life into this team. Maybe maybe they don't need to do a hard rebuild. Maybe they do like you know a reboot. Yeah. Maybe they you know if they are willing to give Jonathan Scope that money. At the off se- during the off season, and they're willing to throw it all on the table, and also you know try to maybe they're gonna possibly have to eat Chris Davis's contract. Who knows? I don't think they're gonna do that right now. Not yeah. not this year. Maybe not even next year. But maybe in the year years past. Yeah, but like right. you know, they're gonna have to do something. Right. Maybe get creative with it. I don't know. Maybe trade Manny Machado with Chris Davis to eat some of that contract. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what what would you do? So 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 it's Memorial Day. I'll put you, I'll, I'll let you be GM uh, from now until the trade deadline. What moves as a GM would you pri- 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 prioritize? What what would you do in that GM seat? Well, in that GM seat, you have to try to get some young infielders. I yeah. think that's the main priority. That's priority number one. You get some, you get some infielders. Well, well we saw what happened when when Beckham went down. To, to your point, we got a lot of good young outfielders. But when Beckham went down, it was like, uh oh, <laughs> like oh, we yeah. got right. there's no one to come up. There, there, there's no one in AAA or no. Bowie that plays infield. Yeah, right, we man. had to sign a guy. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I got Pete Peterson here because we literally had no one else. Yeah, I mean, you get a situation where maybe they trade Manny Machado for 
Addison Russell and Albert Almora Jr. Right. You know, you get you get a good outfielder, you get a good infielder, and Addis, Addison Russell, who's been an All Star in the past, he's, he's going to be on our, our team for the next four or so years exactly. under contract. Yeah, and he's young. I mean, he's my age. I think he's twenty. What is he? Twenty four? Twenty three? Yeah, yeah, he's about twenty four. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's right. he's a young guy. He'll be around for a while, and that's something that the Orioles need to hold on to. Now he is a guy, though. To go back to your reboot point, he's also a guy that is major league ready now like he's been playing the majors for a couple years now and so are you looking to get guys who are close to major league ready or major league ready now or are you trying to get young prospects with high upsides for three or four years down in the future like these are some decisions right that that dan's gonna have to make yeah or brady or whoever does this (laughs) makes these decisions yeah and that's another thing too who's making the decisions do we know if dan duquette's making the decisions do we know if brady's making the decisions do we know if it's like not really either one of them. Well, that's a scary or, thought, right? Yeah. That, or that it's all of them. So, like, yeah. all of them have to sign up. And, 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 and when do, like, four guys agree on a decision? And and I think it might come down to that, yeah. which makes me nervous that it might not happen if you take four guys all need to agree on it. And yeah. by four, I mean, what, Brady, Buck, um, Dan, Dan, and Pete, Pete, and maybe John Angelos, too. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe even Lou. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe there's six people who yeah. all have to like sign a piece of paper to approve it, and and yeah, so so these are challenges, and and that's a challenging thing that's specifically challenging for the Orioles and not challenging. And does it have to be unanimous or is it two thirds votes? Yeah, because this is what we saw in the off season. That stupid like they were going to sign Ryan Flaherty, and I think Ryan Goins was the other guy they were going to sign, but they didn't get all the paperwork done in time, not, not enough signatures or whatever. Yeah, you know what I also think killed them. What? Um, it was a it was who's the guy that was uh. The, the switch hitting infielder that they had. I can't remember what his name was. He was a he was a middle infielder. Steve, I think what was his last name. I'm going blank on his Steve, last name. Steve. How long ago? Uh he Pierce? just No, not Pierce. Not Pierce. <laughs> Lombardozzi? Yeah, not not Lombardozzi either. <laughs> I have to look this up. He um I think he actually he he got popped for PEDs, actually. And he he was supposed to be the you know the utility infielder for the Orioles this year, but he, you know, before spring training even started, he got in trouble with PED. So okay. that also he was also a prospect. Yeah. So I mean that really hurts. You have right. a guy that can fill in at first base, second base, third base, short. You know, and then he goes down on PEDs. So that I mean, it's just it's been Wilkerson so many small... was it Wilkerson? I don't know. Well, well okay. yeah, Steve Wilkerson. Is, is that who yeah. it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, Steve Wilkerson. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so and so maybe that all of a sudden cha- changes your plans, and you don't have enough time to to, to come up with Plan B when that kind of stuff happens. But yeah, I mean, be curious because we we heard all the time, and and I guess before the season started, it was always like, what kind of starting pitching can you get back for Manny? What kind of starting pitching right. can you get back? Now all of a sudden, it's looking like maybe starting pitching isn't our biggest problem. I say that as we have like our starting pitching area is like five point six. Golden three innings today, the worst in the American League, but. But it seems like going forward in the future, our starting pitching is not going to be our biggest problem. Yeah, pitching's been weird this year because it has been it's been unstable. Where up to now, Gosman, uh, Bundy, and even Hess have looked great as far as homegrown pitchers, and then Gosman blew up today. Yeah, so, and, uh, I mean, and, he's and, has, I mean uh, he 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 blew up today after the last couple weeks, like three he, four weeks of he's been of, looking great. Good golf. We've we've seen this with Dylan Bundy too, right? Be really good and then blow up for a game. Um, and of course, the numbers starting pitching ERA is the, those numbers are inflated 
because of the whole Chris Tillman experiment to start the season. I'm looking at right, right. now, in the American League, our starting ERA is 5.60, which is uh, last in all of baseball. And Dylan Buddy's seven earned runs with 0. 0.0 innings pitched. Yeah, that, that didn't help either. We're not getting <laughs> yeah. an out. And it's just interesting to look at like team ERA. And if you, I say this, if you're going to suck as the Orioles suck this year, this year is not a bad year to suck. You look at what the Houston Astros are doing. It's pretty remarkable. Their starting pitching ERA, 2.44. Wow. They're like fifth starter would be our would literally be our ace. Yeah. I mean, what 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 they're doing down there in Houston is really impressive. So I guess if you're gonna have a terrible, a terrible season, this is kind of a pretty good terrible season to have because Houston Astros look unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and then that's what it comes down to. We say our starting rotation looks really good and we're really happy with it, but that's because of what we've had in the previous years. Yeah. And what? And and you don't need. If it, you can't have every part, you can't have pitching, defense, and offense all be the top, top in the leagues or whatever. You need to have really good at yeah. Or you'll be the Astros section, or the Red great. Sox, the Yankees. Right. You'll be those right. Guys. You're not going to be those guys. You just need things to click properly. And I think we're comfortable with the guys in the rotation. And then Hunter Harvey, who's having a good year down in Bowie, develop uh, coming back. I think we're comfortable with with that type of squad. You could take a run. As far as the rotation goes, yes, I, I there's there's, big, there's still questions like with your bullpen. Well, I would say even with even with the the starters, I still like is Dylan Bundy good, right? Is Kevin Gossman good? I don't even know if they're good yet, and we're kind of all counting on them progressing and getting great. Right, I got news for you. And guys. That's what happened this year. Well, well, and Kevin Gossman is a good example of this. Just because you were good this one year doesn't mean and you're young, right? Kevin Gossman was, was young and good. It doesn't mean the next year you're going to be better, right? Sometimes players actually get worse, yeah. even young players, right? The next season, they're not quite as good. And we just always assume, here's Dylan Bundy, young and talented, had a decent year. Next year, he'll have a year, even better year. The year after that, he'll have a better year. Until he hits 27, we'll have his best year. Right. That's how and it goes, right? That's what happened with Manny Machado. That's what happened with Manny Machado. But remember last year? Manny Machado had a bad year. So mm-hmm. sometimes these players have bad years. And sometimes... I mean, look, just look at Mike Wright, right? Like, Mike Wright has gotten worse <laughs> than he was before. So sometimes these players don't get better. So I, I don't think right. we can assume Kevin Gossman sitting in there with ERA 4.31, Dylan Bundy 4.45. I don't think we can assume those guys are going to be number one, number two starters next year, which leaves us without a number one starter still. Sure, sure. Yeah, yes. Then you're looking at guys like Cobb and Cashner stepping up and Cobb going back to the old Cobb. But you're right, and but we do classify those guys as one and two because those have been the top of our developments for many, many years. Yeah, and all the and, potential, right? Right, they're guys the guys have. that have all the potential that, uh, you know, you say, well, if they were at a different on a different team, they'd be doing better, but there's no reason they can't develop here. Yeah, but yeah, but they they, they need to pitch better. Yes. Um, and I can say that they need to pitch better, and like Kevin Gossman is one of the reasons we lost today. Also, our offense sucks. But notice how I blamed Kevin Gossman. I blamed the offense. I didn't blame. You know what's amazing? I love to be. I would love to be an Oriole player, not named Chris Davis, because you can suck all you want, and Oriole fans will blame management all day long and never blame you. Right. Unless your name's Chris Chris Davis. You hear no criticism, or very little criticism. I feel like for Alex Cobb, or criticism less criticism for Mike Wright, more criticism for the management and signing these guys. It, it's just amazing how how fans think, and they always blame the, the the management. Where 
I mean, the player's got to perform. And I think the Orioles, I think Dan Duquette has done a decent job acquiring decent talent and putting a, a team on the field that can compete, but the players just aren't playing well. Yeah. I Underperforming, all of them. Right. Now, my my biggest frustration with management right now is the fact of Dan Duquette, Buck Walter sitting out there without contracts. And I wonder what that does to the mentality in a clubhouse. Yeah, I know you, you you talk more about it in football. You hear all the time about football and losing the clubhouse. I don't see the team as as Buck Showalter losing the team. I think these guys have too much respect for him. But I wonder how much they're say. Well, if if the if the Orioles don't care enough to re-sign Buck and Dan, why they're not going to care enough to re-sign me? They're not going to care enough to put money into this organization. I wonder how much. If you're winning, winning fixes everything. Yeah. But when you're losing and struggling, I wonder how much of that mentality also flows down. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I would say along that point, maybe the idea of the – and we t- we touched on it here about the five signatures just to make a deal. The, the chaos of the front office, right? Right. The chaos and the unknown certainly got to be – we've all worked for jobs at jobs where management – upper management was a bit chaotic and you, you you really didn't trust the people above you to do their jobs properly and so maybe there's some of that and we're we're told that now peter angelos is feeling a lot better oh really is a, that lot, the, a lot healthier well that's good so good, good for peter so that now there's another <laughs> another guy in the room yeah I, I i have not been i think especially the last um several years i think P- peter has done a good job spending money and putting, and putting the team on the field but um yes what would concern me more as an Orioles player, what I would be more frustrated if I would play for the Orioles right now, is to look at the l- l- lineup card every day and see Chris Davis, even today, again, batting fifth. Yeah. That, for me as a player, would be like, you kidding me, Buck? Like, uh, Chris Davis, again, batting fifth? That that would bother the, me. The Chris Davis conversation is so complicated because if it weren't for the money, he wouldn't be on, he wouldn't be in the lineup. He wouldn't be up with the Major League squad right now. You've got, you've got. Well, Trumbo just got hurt a little bit, so he's been resting a few days. Yeah. But you've got Trumbo and Mancini on your team who play good first base. Pedro Alvarez could play it in a Pedro page Alvarez. Two. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris Davis' comments uh, process is frustrating, and we saw that with Palmer this week. Okay, so so let's get to that. I was just just killing time before this conversation <laughs> i love this so much i love this so much the whole palmer davis controversy yeah controversy you know there's been because this is what you need this was missing from the oral season it was it was a slow boring and all the talk was manny machado trade talk because there was nothing else to talk about now all of a sudden this is what happens with really bad teams stuff like this starts to come out and happen and this is fantastic yeah it, it makes for good podcasting i love it so much something to talk about um so let's recap the situation real quick all right so what happened was, and and fill in the, fill in the details for me. Okay. Um, Jim Palmer. Yes. He comes on. Was this a post game show? Right. Post game show. Yeah. And he just goes on a little bit of a rant. He was asked about Chris Davis. He goes on a rant, and in the rant he mentions that Chris Davis is not making any adjustments. And yeah, um, I've got the quote right here. Okay. Of what Jim Palmer says. This is Jim Palmer in this first interview after. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, and not an interview, just a rant. Right. What? Well, what well, he was. It was an interview in the mass and post game. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Rick Dempsey was uh, talking. You're to him, right. right. You're right. Rick, yeah. You've got to throw that away. You've got to make some adjustments. I don't see anything. I don't see a wider stance. I don't see a closed stance. I don't see him dropping his hands. I don't see anything. And we're seeing the results. He's just in a prolonged slump. You know they say he works hard. Uh 
He told everyone in spring training that he worked with Scott Kubo. I asked Scott in spring training, I go, hey, you must really put in a lot of work. He goes, we didn't work. So, you know, I don't believe anything. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. So where do we – and then they asked uh, Chris Davis about it. And Chris Davis, you have the quote Chris there, Chris Davis Josh? said, the last thing I want to hear about is someone within our organization questioning my work ethic. But I guess that's where we're at. Yeah, another word he called it disappointing. Uh, I, I saw somewhere else. So you want Scott Kubal's comments too? While I've got them all sure, right here. Sure, sure. Let, let's get Scott Kubal. Uh, uh, the Scott this is a little Kubal. love triangle we got going on here. Right. Look, I'm rooting for Chris Davis, uh, and I've known him a long time. I'm available every day for any player that wants to work and make any changes they feel necessary. I think it's up to Chris to decide what he wants. Okay. That, so, those are the comments that I thought were awkward. Yeah, so, uh, boys, where, where do we stand here on that? Is it – so, a couple – there's a couple issues with this, right? Like, at what point is it okay for Jim Palmer to call a guy out like this? At what point was this conversation with Scott Kubal? Was it on or off the record? We really don't know. Uh, Scott Kubal, though, didn't run away from this situation. No. Um, is it okay for him to come at a guy like this? Jim Palmer – What do you guys think? Thoughts. Let's let's go around the table. Right. Thoughts on this. I want to hear everyone's thoughts. I got a ton of thoughts, right. but I want to hear your thoughts first. Let's just go around I'll the go table. E- start I'll with go, Josh. I'll go easy to start. Yeah. Jim Palmer said what we all want a, a sports broadcaster to say, a color commentary guy to say. Jim Palmer did what we haven't had for a long, long time because the Orioles own the TV broadcast, the radio broadcast, and a lot of the uh, – they've got their own media covering in the in, – in the, uh, warehouse so because of Masson, we we see like we get this homer talk all the time yep. jim, jim homer went around that behind that um like how appropriate he said it to, to rick that. dempsey the biggest homer right of them all. it yeah. was exciting to see that and i think that chris davis's comment saying that i don't like to hear this from within the organization yeah stands out to me as why are we thinking of these guys why are these guys in the organization they shouldn't be they should be outside observers mm-hmm yeah, I, I, I think uh, comments like Palmer made would have been great and would have been uh, almost expected if you'd seen it like on uh, Mad Dog Russo on uh, MLB Network or yeah, something like right. that. Yeah, but sure. the fact that it was on Masson from Jim Palmer yeah. with the little uh, image on the screen showing that uh, that uh, Davis is looking at the third base coach as strike three comes right down the middle. Such an embarrassing shot, right? Uh, and And mm. the first thoughts were that Holy crap, like maybe he's throwing Scott Kubal under the bus, but then Scott Kubal's quote He owned it. Yeah. <laughs> well and, and Scott Kubal's quote saying it's up to Chris Davis, I'm available every day, tells me Chris Davis isn't going to Scott Kubal. No, and Chris Davis is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, what's your take on this right. drama? Well, you're, you're up in the press box with these guys. So, Not to him, but <laughs> So looking at the whole situation is kinda I mean, it's a it's a really weird situation in in general. I mean, it's not weird that Chris Davis hasn't been playing well because it's been, you know, three years now. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's not. This uh, is not news. Yeah. yeah this Chris Davis new, is Chris Davis. You know, and the thing is, everybody like uh, I talked to Glenn a couple of days ago, and I remember he was saying that, you know, You're talking about Glenn Clark Radio, Glenn, right? Yeah, there. Glenn, Glenn Clark. Yeah. yeah. Friend yeah. of the show. And he, uh, you know, he was explaining that. Jim Palmer saying this also isn't, you know, saying things that are kind of controversial aren't new e- either. I remember when I, was, I used to be on the grounds crew a couple of years back in 2011, and I remember Jim Palmer was going off in the elevator 
talking about something completely different. I don't even remember what it was, but he he was just like these guys don't get it, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just who Jim Palmer is. You yeah. know, he's gonna call guys out. Yeah, he's gonna make it known that you know these guys aren't playing as well as they should be playing. Yeah, and I mean, in this situation, Chris Davis, he just. I, I don't know. He he hasn't been seeing the ball as well as he usually does. We don't know if it's – I mean, everybody keeps saying Adderall. I know that that's a joke. But yeah. is he focused? Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to, like, question is he focused because he's out there playing baseball every day. I don't – I don't – you know, I wish I knew more. Right. Because if I did, you know, I would – I would try to like write about it at, at <laughs> least. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the what? thing the, the thing that's not new, like it's not news that he's struggling. The thing that that Jim Palmer said though, he said two things. He said first of all, this guy Chris Davis doesn't really have the his heart's not in it, right? Mm-hmm. He's not putting in the work, which implies to me that he he doesn't he's not. I mean, it's a shot at his heart. He, he he's not putting his heart into it. And the second thing is that he accuses Chris Davis of being a liar. Like, mm. these are two things. Right. You're coming out of man and you're saying you, you that, they, that this is your job. You're making millions of dollars and, and you got no heart in it. You don't even care. And to boot, you're a liar. <laughs> so, like, right. Chris Davis, I mean, if you came at me with that, like, we're, we're going to fight. And I, I'm actually surprised that Chris Davis's comments were as tame as they were. Well, I don't know. I kind of get this feeling that the players kind of, like, they respect Jim Palmer for the pitcher he was but then kind of just wash him off as an old man who's angry that he's not making the amount of money that the players are making now. Because you will have Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer does mention many times about how much money these guys are making and how they didn't make money like that in his days. Yeah. He'll go to that sometimes. So I can see the argument that Jim Palmer's this old man. Yeah. And, and, and these millennials and, nowadays. Right, exactly. We complain about the millennials. Could you imagine? They only throw four innings in their pool after if, 75 pitches. Imagine if, you, if guys did the same job as you uh, had an easier travel schedule, easier life in general, and also got millions of dollars than and when you did the exact same thing. They they might have millions of dollars, but there's nobody on this team that's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown. No, yeah. no, but and Jim, but Price, they all make more money than Jim Palmer ever saw in his career. They make more in one year, so I can see that being making him an angry and bitter old man. But at this point, he's right. Well, yeah, I think we. It's like uh, it reminds me. Didn't Dennis Eckersley say something about? Uh, David Price a few years ago, and they had a yeah. confrontation last on the year. team. That was last, year. last year, yeah. yeah, they're, yeah. They're, that's still very much a thing. I would very much like to see a Jim Palmer, Chris Davis confrontation. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just go ahead with that. Well, yeah, I mean, from what, and we've had Chris Davis on the show before, and Jim Palmer, and Jim Palmer. That's oh, that's right. right. They've both been here. Nice yeah. guys. We yeah. should have them both back at the same time. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> that would be like, epic. like I open the closet. One guy's hiding in there. <laughs> is you the, imagine is the. Uh, would you call Jim Palmer? You you wouldn't call him a reporter, would you? No, he's, he's a, a color, commentator. A color, color commentator. commentator. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting that, and 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 let me kind of call out my, myself. And I know um, Kyle he covers Orioles too. Um, it's interesting that Jim Palmer found out this information. I always get on the Orioles reporters for not finding for having um, national media guys come in and uncover stories that I feel like the local media should. And this is not that happening, but this is a color commentator. I feel like revealing a story that maybe the local media should sh- 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 that they should have discovered. We we were at well, I think Fan a- Fest, and we had access to Scott Coolball. We were in the the interview room, and 
really nobody wanted to ask Scott Kubal very many questions because there's really no. nothing to ask Scott Kubal. But like someone could have asked there, hey, Chris Davis is talking about you guys live in the same town, I guess, or the same neighborhood. You guys are neighbors. I don't know what it is, right. but you guys live close to each other. Um, he said you're working with it. Like that would be an appropriate, I feel like, question to ask in an interview. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, but I'm surprised this story comes out not by a reporter, but comes out by oh, I a color commentary. I think it's worse. I think it's just like when uh, Ken Rosenthal broke the Brady story. Yeah, that's, that's last not year. a national yeah, guy. Yeah, but I think it's story. worse because he didn't. It's not like he did the digging and found out that story. The, the local media knew about that. They just weren't reporting it. Right, they sure. They were keeping that close to the vest. Uh, I think they. I think the me, local media knows this, knows what's going on and knows that Davis isn't out there every day because they're around the team every day. They're out there. They see who's who's got extra bat in practice before games. I think they know what's going on and just not bring not not revealing it to the public. Kyle, do you think it's fair to criticize the media here for for having it be Jim Palmer reveal this information? Like, shouldn't this isn't this what the media kind of supposed to do or yeah. no? I mean, you know, it, it's a weird dynamic. It's a really yeah. weird dynamic being a beat writer, especially me being as young as I am. I don't I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs right. of how to like conduct myself yet yeah that's you know, that w- oh i'm sorry just that. <laughs> that was great <laughs> nice work. um but yeah i like, just put my cough on the table guys everyone relax it's all right we'll just we'll just do the podcast with coffee all over the table <laughs> yeah the spillage was was just temporary it wasn't on the computer so we're right good. yeah so but yeah but you also have you have a different angle because you're not a mass and orioles employee yeah. that's in there yeah and i'm my thing is i'm always worried I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm yeah. trying to be as like cordial as possible. That way I don't <laughs> get my press pass taken away. So yeah. it's like one of those situations where we don't have the inside. We may not have the same inside scoop because we're not, we're also not there every day. Yeah. So we can't, you know, we don't know what's going on on in the road, on the road. We only could see what's going on at home. Yeah. Um, and what I see from home is that, you know, maybe he isn't, we don't know if he's putting in the work or not. Right. But um, we only can see what we only can say the things that we see, and he's not he's not looking at the ball. I mean that's obvious. Yeah. That, I mean they pointed that out on the broadcast. That's amazing. Yeah, that was awful. But yeah. it's amazing you know, that he's batting what one sixty. It's almost kind of remarkable that he's not even looking at the ball. Right, and still hitting one sixty. Yeah. Like, good for him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then, and by just swinging, just hacking. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean another thing that I also see with Chris Davis is that he drops his hands a lot. I don't know if you know anybody talked about that before but he when he swings his hands drop so much it's almost like he's it's almost like you remember how tim tebow used to pump he would he would he would throw have like a baseball kind of delivery yeah it's almost like you know same thing but with a swing he's throwing he's dipping down and then he's swing he's trying to uppercut it every time and even you remember when in uh 2013 and 2015 he had a more level swing his swing was, you know, just going straight across and then up. Whereas, like, now, it's just come, it's dropping all the way down. And then he tried to uppercut it. And I'm just like, what's going on? Like, yeah. where is the disconnect from those seasons that he was really focused? Maybe. We don't know if he was focused or not. Right. Or why did he change his stance? Why did he do all of these other things? What What did he do? And in the meantime, why hasn't he changed? Oh, yeah. Exactly. anything in the past right. couple years. Exactly. Cool. And he he did change his stance for one day. I think Matt Kremenser of uh, 
Camden Depot. He actually pointed that out the other day. He changed yeah, a couple stance. days ago. Yeah, yeah. For it was right after the comments k- 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 came out from mm-hmm. Jim Palmer, and yeah. then he changed right. it right back. Yeah. Like, right. What's well, going on? Like, that didn't work. Back to back to what else didn't work? <laughs> <laughs> that that uppercut swing. It reminds me of like when you see the guys go and play softball when there's no skill. So I'm I I'm not don't have skill at this. So I'm just going to use my power and hit it as hard as I can up in the air. And hope it goes. Yeah. And it seems like all he's instead of trying to fix his swing, he's just trying to crush the ball and just just get it over that fence. All right. I have I have a couple of takes on this though. I want to get into. Okay. Yeah. You said you have a different take. Yeah. My first thing before I get into my real hot take, the first thing is, can I just say Chris Davis has become the scapegoat for this entire offense sucking because everyone. Not everyone, almost everyone in this offense, besides if your name's not Manny Machado or Mark Trumbo, everyone else has been sucking. Well, yeah, so, but, but but he is the highest paid guy on the team, so you have to blame him. It's just, it's just like when, Joe, when all, I, I, all the wide receivers drop the ball, you still got to blame Joe Flacco. He's the guy that you're paying to build this team around. I, I disagree because I think the expectations for Chris Davis are not as high. I think the expectations are higher for Jonathan. Like I expect Jonathan Scope to be better than Chris Davis. And this year, Jonathan Scope has been really bad. I mean, sure. I, and fr- frankly, I expect Trey, Trey, Trey Mancini to be better than Chris Davis. So going into the season, my expectations for Chris Davis weren't high. Now they weren't this low. I thought two twenty, but you thought one fifty. You thought two twenty with more home 230. runs, two thirty maybe, yeah. right. and, and the thirty home runs, more home runs, more RBIs. That's yeah. where it's really disappointing with Davis. But it's not that disappointing because two thirty versus one seventy is not it's sixty points. But it's so ugly to watch. Yeah, but I'm just saying he's not the only person with issues here, but it seems like he's getting all the blame. The right. other thing I'd say, not that we shouldn't blame him, but we should also, like, let's let's not forget about everyone else who's underperforming. The other thing I'll say, I think someone should be fired from this whole thing, and I'll tell you who it is. What do you, what do you mean? Like, fired? Like- fired, like, today, like, pack up your, pack up your things, you're gone, see you later after this incident okay i'm right. dead serious well it's got to be scott kubal scott kubal absolutely because it's not up to davis when you suck this bad here's the thing here's the thing because for what i do for a living what i do for a living is i teach i teach high school and i have 100 kids come into my classroom every single day 95 of them would rather be anywhere else but in that classroom and don't want to learn english and it's my job to get them to learn even if they don't want to learn and they do do we, we do the park assessment where i got to give all my kids the state test and I'm judged based on how they perform. And I can't say to my principal, well, he doesn't really like English, or he's just had a bad teacher last year, or he's just not mo- motivated. No, it's my job to teach him whether they're motivated or not mo- motivated. And Scott Kubal, his job is to get his hitters to hit. Now, we're talking about professional athletes. I think most professional athletes don't like to be coached, right? Yeah. Like this, they have reputations because they've always been awesome since they're two. So they don't like to be coached because they think they know what they're doing. Right. And so a coach has a very hard job, but this is why they make the money, to get players who don't want to be coached to listen. Now, if I'm Scott Kubal and I'm I'm neighbors with Chris Davis, I know they're not neighbors, but they live in the same whatever. It doesn't matter. C- you're, s- you're seeing them every single day. If I'm Scott Kubal, even in the offseason, I'm not – what is this joke that, that Scott Kubal is like, well, Chris Davis, he didn't come over and he didn't ask me to help him. Like, what is that? That's some petty bullcrap right there. That's nonsense. If I'm Scott Coolball and this is my job to get him to play better, I'm every day on the offseason, 6 a.m., I'm knocking. Hey, Chris Davis, wake up. We're going to go hit. We're going to go work on a new stance. <laughs> and but, if Chris says, you don't want to, I say, I don't care. I'm sitting on this car in this parking lot because my job depends on you playing better, so you're going to play better whether you like it or not. 
Scott Kubal's comments? Oh, they're so but, stupid. Saying, oh, he didn't come to me. If he wants to come to me and ask nicely, I'll help him. Give me a break, Scott. This is your job to get players who don't want to be coached and to coach them and get them to play better. So do it. But this is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing in the NBA with LeBron. This is what we're seeing with the Orioles with Manny Machado moving to shortstop. The players are the stars. The players control the game, not the coaches. Well, and that's why um, going low NBA talk here, which I'm sure Kyle can appreciate. That's why this whole thing with Brad Stevens and the Celtics been so impressive because you listen to like Tatum and you listen to the other players the Celtics talk and they like they're coachable and they talk about and give Brad Stevens credit, their coach credit, and that's yeah, so that's incredible. Excited. And that's how it should be, right? Like players but, should be coachable. I feel and, like the biggest. Di- I'm sorry to cut uh, you go, off. No, but go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I feel like the biggest difference is that these guys are established. You know, they've been yeah. here for so long. That's true. That you have guys that. I mean, maybe maybe it's at the point where some guys aren't going to listen, but you know, at the same by the same token, you still see the younger guy. I feel like the younger guys still have that approach where they tried to, you know, they're trying to actually take, you know, criticism on some of the things that they do and change some of the things yeah. that they do. Because I've seen Trey Mancini try to change up things. It's true. I've seen Chance Cisco try to change up things. We've seen I've Joseph, seen, who, was, uh, who was taught a bad defensive, he was, say, he was more offensive in the minors, come up to the majors, Caleb Joseph, make adjustments and become a really good defensive catcher. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, even as, as much as some people want to harp on Manny not trying to make changes, Manny has made some changes with his swing. I mean, he's not – he's doing a bunch of different things that are conducive to winning. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe maybe his glove isn't as good at short as it is at third, but at the same time, these guys, it's not like everybody on this team is just like, screw this, I'm not going to listen. We saw Tim Beckham put a lot of work into third base, and exactly. I know he struggled a little bit there, and then he got hurt, but we saw him put a lot of mm-hmm. work in with uh, Bobby Dickerson at third base. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his injury, his injury was a lot bigger than anybody in the organization probably said. He, I mean, yeah. that core injury is, is very serious. Obviously, he's out still. Yeah. Um, I feel like the reason why he played defense so poorly also was because of it that poor injury. That, yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's a guy that's a bad infielder. Like I mean, when when he went out and when Scope went out, you saw obviously it was a big issue. But right. Going, but but yeah. going back to my point with Chris Davis, like isn't at some point when Chris Davis has struggled for two years now, going on his third year of struggling, as if you're the hitting coach, isn't at some point your job to say I'm not going to wait for Chris Davis to come to me. I'm going to come to him whether he wants to, wants it or not, and say, hey, listen. I get paid to make you better, whether you want to get better or not. You might, if you want to continue to suck and just take your paycheck, that's fine. But my job is to coach you anyway. And so, shouldn't Scott take some responsibility to say, "Hey, my job is to get you better, whether you want to or not." So, here it is. Take my advice. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to be in your face all the time until you make some changes. I mean, he's an. I mean, Chris Davis is an adult, though. You know, it's just one of those situations where I feel like he should go. If if you're if 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 you want, I know he just got paid, and he's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, everybody always says it's the whole Joe Flacco thing. He doesn't have anyone pushing him. But in this situation, Chris Davis has about, like, you know, I don't know how many people pushing him. Like, Trey Mancini could easily slide in the first. Yeah. We've seen how well Trey Mancini plays at first. Yeah. You know, and Trumbo also can play first. Yeah. But he's also at the point where he's gotten so much money. And he's not going to lose any of that money. So Guaranteed, he, yep. Maybe he's just like, hey, well, I can just rest all my but, laurels at this time. And so that, to me, is it, on him But isn't that also where coaching comes in? Because it's coach's job to motivate. 
it's coaches' I mean, job to to make players care. I, I I do agree with that to an extent, but at the same time, you have to if you're a player, you have to have that inner drive in, in yourself. You can't just say, "Hey, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay an egg just because it's not my response." I mean, I already had I have my money, you know. And Scott Coolball, yeah, it is his responsibility. If if, if to, he's just does that is Scott Coolball like, just like, sitting in his like, office all day? I feel like it's 50, just sitting 50. waiting for someone to knock on his door. Is that what, is he sitting in his office eating bonbons until someone asks him to say, "Please, Mr. Coolball, could you help me?" Come but on. It also, it also affects Scott Coolball when in three four I months. Like when, when Josh when, says Scott Coolball. 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 <laughs> I was sorry. I was focused on bringing that. Bert, Bert texted me that picture, so I was focused on on. They look like that BFFs. Because yeah, when Chris Davis does well, they're best friends. Uh, oh, is that what Scott Kubal looks like? Yeah, that's him. So yeah. the the but the problem is he's Scott Kubal's got to worry about his reputation too. Yes, and he's going to need a new job in three three months. And if he can say, "Hey, I turned Chris Davis around," yes, that goes a long way for Scott Kubal. And I f- I feel a little bit like he's though by doing this, he's saying, "Hey, listen, guys, his struggles is not on me." Because he hasn't come to me. And I feel like he's kind of shirking responsibility here. Where right. I hear that and I think, no, like that's even a worse indictment of you because, you because you're saying you don't get involved in situations when you see someone struggling. Right. But is that is that him though? That's my question. Is it is it him that's saying, hey, well, I'm not gonna get involved because maybe Pete said don't get involved? Or is it because well, that's, hey, you know, right. that's, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Why isn't Dan Duquette out there saying, hey, I my I what did he, what was Duquette's comment? I I the the candle was out on that conversation. I had nothing to do with this. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I feel like it's a lot of stuff that people aren't necessarily saying because no, I don't think a lot of people know. I mean, every everyone says, "Hey, well," like I mean, just like what Josh said before, are the players controlling everything, or is it the coaching staff, or is it you know? And I think Adam Jones carries a big stick in a locker room yep. and everybody's going to listen to Adam Jones but if you have somebody that's equal in the locker room to Adam Jones and Chris Davis yep. people are going to be you know but it, it may be causing an issue as well too and then but then but then if I'm Brady Anderson in this situation I'm going to Chris Davis as a former player, a guy that you would think would respect him. <laughs> well, if you're Brady and, Anderson, you're going to – first of all, why is Brady Anderson in this picture at all? But, okay, fine. Go ahead. That doesn't mean, theory. Because he is. Brady Anderson – because he's got he's, his locker right next to him. He's got a locker yeah, right yeah. there in the locker room. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, Brady Anderson is part of this management. And as a player, you would think – as a former player, Brady would be going to him and at, and at least saying, hey, look, you're the veteran. You're making all this money. You're not putting in the work ethic. You're being a horrible example and leader to the rest of this team. At least have some yeah. conversation I, with him of saying, hey, if, if the guys – right now the entire team is slumping. If the guys see you down in the cage working hard trying to get out of this, that's going to motivate other people as well. Yeah. When, guy, when, when one guy struggles and doesn't care and then the next guy struggles and doesn't care, suddenly the entire team doesn't care. Yeah, I would like to draw a subtle distinction though between – not caring and then not making adjustments with the coach's advice. Like we saw, who was it? Uh, Panda, uh, Pop Pablo Sandoval, who signed with the Red Sox and right. like that blew w- up to like 300 pounds yeah, or something. Yeah, that would be not caring. Yeah, he didn't. He, he, I mean, Chris Davis looks to be in good shape. People say he spends a lot of time in the batting cage. And I'm sure in the off season, I, I have no doubt in the off season, he hit a lot in the off season, probably worked hard in the off season. Like I'm not even doubting that Chris Davis doesn't work hard. But it, it's it's kind of a working. Are you working smart, right? Are you making adjustments? Are you trying new things? Are you are you doing the 
same thing over and over again, right? Like I came up with this thing that I came up with this idea that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I just came up with that right now. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's this idea of like, I think he puts in the work, but I don't think he listens to other people and makes adjustments like he needs to. And that's on Chris Davis. But at the same time, I don't think coaches should, should get off the hook. Coaches should still be responsible because right. it's their job. It's your job. You get paid to make Chris Davis care and make Chris Davis make adjustments and hit better. Then why, but of yeah, course, Chris Davis has to do something. Then there's no point in even having coaches. Yeah, or why do you have a coach? Right. Yeah. And if that, the players and that's where, do everything themselves, then why do you even have a coach? Right. And that's where Scott made a, made a mistake in his comments because he but tried I, the I've heard him, I've heard him, I've, This is the first time when I when it comes out of my own mouth and I hear it in my own ears is the first time I heard Scott Kubal take any cri- criticism in this. Right. But I, that's what I'm saying. He made the mistake by saying – coming out and saying that Chris Davis isn't seeing him. Even if Chris Davis is not coming to him, he should at least be lying about it. You think he should be? To protect Chris Davis? To protect That's uh, what Buck Showalter probably do. I mean, right. When Buck Showalter <laughs> was leading this team with, oh, we like our players, we love our guys, I'm going to keep putting Chris Davis in fifth in the lineup. Yeah, Scott Kubal should be saying he's working on it. Should be speaking positive of the guy, whether it's true or not. But I think Chris David, I think Scott Kubar here is trying to protect himself by by saying, right, it's not on me. And, that, and that could be the fact. But then, if Scott Kubal is trying to protect himself in the media, there's a bigger issue going on because he should be the team player in the media, but behind the scenes pressure in this guy. Yeah, and I guess if if I ran the Orioles, the first thing I would do is sign some international free agents, and the second thing I would do is fire <laughs> Scott Kubal. That's what I would do. One and two. It, it seems like guy. it seems like an easy uh, scapegoat to put it on Scott Kubal right now when things are really struggling. I feel like it's one of those uh, – you you guys have seen a Spider-Man meme when he's, like, pointing at himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like imagine, like, 20 Spider-Men all pointing at each other. This is, <laughs> this is exactly what this is. It seems like these guys are all just pointing fingers at each other mm-hmm. when it – you all have to accept responsibility. Yeah. And I feel like certain guys have done that. You see Manny, Manny Machado has actually stepped up as a leader. Some people, you know, you'll hear people calling and say whatever they say about Manny Machado on local radio. But, yeah. you know, Manny Machado stepped up as a leader. Jonathan Scope's been a leader. Adam Jones has been a leader. Yep. All these guys have accepted responsibility, and they've tried to do better. Trey Mancini's done that. Yep. You know, even Chance Cisco, as young as he is, he's tried to do that. Yep. And, I mean, those guys aren't making excuses for themselves. They're not making excuses for the team. Yeah. But, you know, in this situation, it's like these guys are all pointing at each other. Like, what's going on? Right. They don't yeah. know if, like, yeah, How about Scott Kubal? Yeah, Scott Kubal. Yeah. How, how about you say, you know what? I should have pursued Chris Davis exactly. more. How and about that, saying and, that? And yeah. that's my thing. I, I feel like it should have been 50-50. Yeah. I'm not going to let – Scott Coolball get off the hook because he I mean look at look at this you know look at the lineup it's yeah, been horrible here are a couple season. things we're right in the American League ranked 13th out of 15 teams in batting average 2 232 dead last and on base percentage in slugging percentage again we're this home run hitting team right in slugging percentage we're 13th in the American League OPS right which is that on base uh and and slugging percentage which is a good uh, barometer of an offense um, uh, the Orioles are dead last with a OPS of .685 so it's not just Chris Davis. The whole offense has been horrendous. And sure, but you can't ignore the fact that it, what they're paying Chris Davis right now is the equivalent of flushing that money down the toilet. That's their own fault, though. 
And my, that's, well, and that's why everybody's yeah. starting to panic oh, yeah. now because we're in the point of the contract now where we're realizing we're not getting what we paid for and we're not going to get what we paid for for the next three to four years, however much longer this thing goes on. And people are going to start pointing fingers because we are losing money on this deal. That's true. So Scott, uh, Jim Palmer makes the comments. Uh, Chris Davis is upset by the comments. Scott Kubal kind of kind of just protects himself and, and confirms doesn't, doesn't, what Palmer says. Doesn't defend Davis. Yeah. Yeah, kind of confirms Palmer. If you're the Orioles organization, are you happy that someone finally spoke out? Are you like are you glad that Jim Palmer said this? Also, what or is or is it an embarrassment? This is something that was said in spring training and comes out now? Like right. it was said in spring training. Right. That's when this conversation happened. Sure. And all well, of a sudden Jim Palmer But if they but if they're winning, nobody would say anything. Or if or if Chris Davis is playing halfway decent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but are you? Is this something that the Orioles are would be upset about, or do they use this to their advantage as someone is finally saying something to Chris Davis that Scott Kubal and Buck Showalter will not, or do they take this as Jim, you crossed you crossed the line. This was an internal thing that wasn't supposed to be made public, and is this the end of Jim Palmer in the booth after this season? I don't know. You know, it, we got this controlled media world. If it, if it doesn't translate into wins, then nobody wins. All, all people care about is winning baseball games, and it's not going to happen for them this year. So something like this might be right. sparking you know, the if, downfall for a few people. Right. If Chris Davis turns this around, then everyone's going to point to this comment as that was good, that fired up Chris Davis. Yeah, and this, like, let's remember a little bit of history here. Though He signed a contract in 2015. 2015, he hit 47 homers, 117 RBI. Like, he had an MVP-type season. The year before he got his contract. That's how it usually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the year before that, people forget. The year before that, I just pulled up his stats. In 2014, you know what his batting average was? Just the year before he had that huge he was terrible. contract? Yeah. He was bad. Batted 196. Yeah. Yes. But 196. He had, but he had the home runs. I mean, 26 home runs. Well, and he got suspended from Adderall. The same amount of home runs he had yeah. last year. During but the playoffs. It, yeah. Right. So, so, but my point is, like, he's been really bad before. And when it happened, we all knew he was being overpaid. Oh yeah, we all knew he was being paid more than he should. But, but those, we were those numbers are pretty it. good. Those numbers are pretty good. The forty-seven home runs in twenty fifteen, yeah, batting two sixty-two, one base of three sixty-one. Mm-hmm. I could support that. Yeah, and we knew the end of the contract would be really bad. What we didn't know is that the middle of the contract when he's supposed to be. So Steve, Steve Molesky did do a slightly more digging. And asked Scott Kubal. Okay. Steve Molesky isn't doing that much digging. Right. Okay, go well, ahead. He asked one. <laughs> okay, he's not he doing asked, that much digging. He asked one question. He's maybe raking on the surface. He asked. He's not digging. He went to Scott Kubal. Right now that Jim Palmer blew it up, the reporters can talk about it. Yeah. So he asked Scott yeah. Kubal. Let someone else reveal it. How and we'll many talk times to during the offseason did Chris Davis work out with you? Yeah. What do you think would be an acceptable number? Well, the answer is three. The answer is three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the acceptable number is. I, I, I mean, how many can they work out with each other for, like, you know, because they do they have, like, the – I mean, they have, like, like this – It's not situation. like the NFL and, yeah. and, like, there's no limit, right? I, they can yeah, get I together think, whenever they I want, I think right? they can, yeah, because, oh. I mean, you know, they always have that, like, Orioles camp down in Florida right. all the time. And Brady so. Anderson has his own little separate squad that he works yeah, out exactly. with out in California. And, right, then there's the Vanderbilt squad that works out down in Nashville. Yeah. So, I mean, he – Obviously, should have taken more of an initiative to go work out, and both of them should have. Both of them, yeah, right, both yeah. of them, yeah. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me personally. But I mean, at the same time, it's one of those situations where 
these guys have to come together if they want if they want to both play better and coach better they have to start bouncing ideas off of each other and start working at it and you have to see those ideas in on i mean on the field as well i mean they can't just like go chris davis can't do what he did the other day you know switch changes bad instance and then change it completely back right and he has to he has to analyze tape i mean if he's not analyzing tape is he a major league baseball player that's a, i mean that's a legitimate question you know every major league baseball player should be watching tape just like football players do and i'm sure most of them do but there are some guys that may you know take some days off i don't i'm not accusing chris davis of doing that because i don't know i don't know personally if he's doing it he could be working as hard as possible without cameras being on him but you know people don't know that and people are gonna like I mean like you said Matt they want to go and point fingers at him mm-hmm. and make him right. an scapegoat because maybe you know what he's not the only guy that does that but that's but that's where the coaching is if I was Scott mm-hmm. Kubal I would have as soon as I left uh, Tampa I would have my iPad with with uh, we've got a whole department for the video analytics and everything in the Orioles I'm sure they can give him the iPad after every game and say, here's everyone's swings, and he can tap on it and go on the plane ride, go sit down next to Davis and say, no, you don't want to talk about this, but let's look at a few things and, and show him a couple of things. And really, he should be doing that to the entire team and not saying, all right, only working during the game. He needs to be the guy who's working and having these conversations and trying to get people's mindset because this whole great clubhouse, great positive uh place isn't working anymore yeah a couple comments from the chat room scott chimes in about this whole chris davis talk scott foster chimes in you are simply handcuffed by davis's contract because you can't afford to have that much money on the bench for a bunch of games without an injury Uh, and it and i mean the whole thing and i know i know the chris davis contract is not directly related to manny machado not being able to sign here because i don't think they would sign him either way right but it does prevent what you can do as an organization because you are a mid-market team to low market team who has a budget and everything we do in the off season, we're limited more than we would be because the Chris Davis contract, there's no way around it. Right. That, and whether you, he stays in Baltimore and plays out his contract, or if you cut him tomorrow, you, you restore our handcuffed. And I, yeah. You're handcuffed because of that contract. Yeah. Um, Dave, and Dave, Dave chimes in about this, about it too. Uh, they didn't learn from the pool house, pool house and Ryan Howard's contract. And I would argue like, at least with the Pujols and Howard contract, they at least got good a good three or four or five years in there. Right before the last, you know, three or four or five years where they was really bad. We never had those good years. <laughs> like <laughs> he was bad from the moment he signed his contract. I mean, they they just straight up like Chris Davis's camp straight up finessed everything. They finessed all of the money from the Orioles. They took you know as much as they possibly could get without even having to do anything. I I mean, if people can recall. Chris Davis, his he wasn't offered more by anybody else. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even sure. close. Yeah, there like, was there was the Orioles were like outbuilding themselves. Yeah. yeah, there was talking that Detroit might be interested, but it, it was never clear on exactly how much they would pay him. And certainly, we they see, wanted him to play outfield too, or so they say. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like him to play right field. And 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 certainly, what we've seen after that, in like free agency in the past couple seasons after that, players like Chris Davis aren't making any money. Yeah, like if he was a free agent right now. Even if he had had the year he had in 2015, his big year, he still wouldn't make a ton. He would make even less money now just because 
home runs are not as valued as they used to be. They want all-around players who can do a lot of things. Exactly. Right. Look at uh, Mark Trumbo, how much he, he dropped off yeah. the table. Everybody thought, hey, well, he's going to make uh, $85 million yeah. this, this offseason. And then he ended up making, what is it, 37.5? Yeah. I mean, in a three-year deal, that's all he got. And yeah. so, I mean, that's going to be – and, and people that's think that was too much, right? Yeah. And now we're looking at it and thinking, oh, well, we paid too much for Mark Trumbo. Yeah. And speaking of Mark Trumbo, he must be loving all this controversy <laughs> because right. it takes his uh, name out of the headline. Well, he, he's quietly having a decent year since yeah, he's Yeah, he's doing fine. How come he's he hasn't played since last Tuesday? Injury. Yeah. Is he hurt? Yeah, no, the, the issue. They always debate DL or no DL, but as of now, he hasn't put on the DL. No, right? I think he's, he's still No, he was pending. game time decision today, mm-hmm. and so I assume he'll be the same tomorrow. Uh, also, comment from Joy in the chat room. Uh, there just has to be a way to build incentive pay in a contract instead of giving it away based on past performance. And it's a really good point. And I think as far as incentive pay, that's what we saw with Chris Tillman this year. Um, isn't Andrew Kashner's deal also very much incentive-based And if he gets another year deal based on how well he, he pitches? I think you're going to start seeing that a lot more in these, in these deals is the incentive-based deals, especially with these kind of average players. Um, now, Manny Machado's, there's going to be no incentives in Manny Machado's deal, right? right. Manny Machado's not going to have an incentive-based deal. But for these average players, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to not have the guaranteed money but have an incentive incentive pay. Now, now Jim Palmer has stayed off Twitter since this time. He did get on right after it and said, I did not mean to throw Scott Kubal under the bus. Frustrating time for all. I hope Chris Davis regains his focus and swing. Okay to be mad at me and the baseball. Hashtag turn it around. And then he stayed offline because you know everyone on Twitter is praising him for his comments, and, <laughs> yeah. and he has to stay quiet about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Jim Palmer comes out looking pretty on on this deal. Um, as as Kyle from uh, Glenn Clark's radio show would say, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like good, good, good for. I mean, Jim Palmer is now. I mean, Jim Palmer is an Orioles fan. Right, sure. Like, yes. All these people want the Orioles to do well. Like it's not like he wants to tank the Orioles. But he's not Rick Dempsey and uh, and uh, t- uh, Hunter Jim Hunter who uh, watch Gary every Thorne. game in orange sunglasses. You, you need a guy like Jim Palmer is gonna be real. Yeah, but I mean it's yeah, fine. I, I, think he's, I, I don't I think, think anyone to be real similar. to say Chris Davis sucks. Like you don't have to. No, be real but you're to not gonna that. get Rick Dempsey saying Chris Davis sucks. Yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't need I don't I don't need him to say it. I can tell, but I, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, gotta, I think we talked Chris Davis enough today. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm glad we could have this conversation. I think this is interesting, and I think, uh, I mean, this is this is going to be real interesting as far as the coaching staff because uh, what happens to because once if I mean what happens to Buck and then what happens to to Kubal? I mean, all of it's going to be like a right. That's that's what's interesting is when you look past this year domino effect. We've there. got some minor league. Uh, pitchers that might be okay. You got some minor league outfielders that you can get a little excited about. Yes, uh, C- C- Cedric Mullins, by the way, he's been the past t- ten games. He's hitting about five hundred. I didn't check what he's done today. So far, I looked at it before the show. He was two for two today. C- yeah. Cedric Mullins, DJ Stewart, Bowie. DJ Stewart's been in like mid three hundreds for uh, three weeks. Yeah, or something. He got he's up been to doing a really well. Rough start, but guys, batting average up to two seventy now. So playing well at Norfolk. Yeah, right. so there's another there's, name to rent. there's some stuff down there to be excited about. Infield, not so much. Yeah, um, but then when you look at there's so many questions beyond next year, and it's it's weird that like the players aren't. It's not the normal questions we're used to in Baltimore. The normal questions are pitching, 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 pitching. 
now we've got these questions about coaching staffs, uh, GM, kind of organizational questions. Yeah. Yeah, so, so some big questions. At what point do you? Um, at what point do we see Cedric Mullins, T.J. Stewart? Is there a moment in the season where you say, "Hey, Gentry is not part of our future. He's what, thirty-three years old." I, I mean, I know we really want his two twenty-two batting average to stay on the team. Um, Pe- Pe- Pedro Alvarez, another one-year deal, yeah, veteran, not part of our future, uh, batting one ninety-eight. I know you guys want to see that on, on our team, but whatever. Um, <laughs> at what point do we say, "Hey, Gentry, bye." Alvarez by and some of these veterans by and we see guys like DJ Stewart and guys like Cedric Mullins actually up I, here playing. I think it's you look at the ne- I think the next DL. I think I think if if Trumbo goes back on the DL, it's DJ Stewart or or Cedric Mullins yeah, because I they think. haven't been scared to go from Bowie to the big leagues in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think Cedric Mullins actually gives you a different dynamic than you know DJ Stewart does. Like. You get that speed, and DJ Stewart has stolen bags too. I yeah, mean, yeah. We, we can't forget about. He was that. a 2020 guy last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but Mullins has that speed that the Orioles don't have. You know, you got to call up guys that have a different skill set that yeah. can go and play those corner outfield positions like Mullins can, and play. I mean, if Adam Jones needs a day off, you put Cedric Mullins at center field. You know, you get Austin Hayes back up eventually. He's gonna be back up down the line. I know he's not hitting well right now. But he's another guy that's going to be playing up to here this season, you know, in Baltimore. So it's just it's just a situation where you got to see in the next, I'd say, a couple months. Maybe I mean I would even say less. What's than a the holdup? Who cares? Like yeah, like, I would say. I mean, once I don't, Manny I don't Machado's think, gone, yeah. yeah. But but why wait till then? Be- uh, I think with those guys, you're dealing with forty man options and money options mm-hmm. and figuring out how all that works. DJ Stewart did leave yesterday's game in the middle with like hamstring soreness, so not sure what that means as far as if he's going to be a DL guy or something, but but yeah, I think it's all contract-wise and business decisions at that point, not baseball decisions. You know what else like about Cedric Cedric Mullins? He's a little guy. <laughs> I feel like this is the new thing in baseball to have little guys who used to think, "Oh no, you got to be a big guy to be a professional baseball player." Now you got guys like Altuve, um, you got guys like the Oriole Crusher, Mookie Betts, yeah. who just man, does he destroy the Orioles? Man, that's Mookie Betts is something else. But Mookie Betts five nine, Cedric Mullins is five eight, Altuve is actually four foot one, impressively <laughs> enough. But you have all these all these little guys in baseball who are putting up big numbers, and I like to see little guys play well. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's fun because it's the minor league players that we've had on this show that are are on their way up. Yeah, we we've interviewed Tanner Scott before, and we, we've seen him. Uh, right. We had DJ the, Stewart. And, and, and DJ Stewart. And I yeah. talked with Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Another guy that's been hitting pretty well lately the past 12 games in Norfolk has been Mike Yastrzemski as well. Mm. And he talked to Glenn Clark the other day as well. And he, I mean, he's batting. He's actually slashing in the past 12 games 341-463 um, and has a slugging percentage of 682. So, you know, he's been a guy that, He's been hitting pretty well. I know it's only been 12 games, and you can't slice up his numbers that much. But he also has two RBI and um, – I mean, oh, no, eight RBI and uh, two home runs. So yeah. that's a, a that's another guy who's been grinding his way up oh, to yeah. the majors. Every year he kind of moves up yeah. a little bit. I mean, I would argue he's our fourth best minor league outfielder right now, and that's pretty impressive for our fourth best minor league outfielder. Sure. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's cool to see see those players playing well. Um. 
couple other things from the chat room. This is, I think, was from, from before. They were lighting up earlier. Yeah, but Matt says, Joan, I, what are you guys thinking on this? Uh, Matt says, Jones, Machado, Britton, and Blyer are all guys that won't be here on the roster by the end of the season. You guys think that's pretty accurate? Jones, Machado, Britton, Blyer. Uh, you might want to even throw Brock in there. I don't know if he, uh, he needs to play yeah. a little better to get I'm, able to move him. Jones is interesting to me because I could see Jones getting a contract here and, and moving him off center field because I could see them wanting to keep that leadership around. And I think that he's not going to be as valuable elsewhere in the league as he is here. Yeah, I mean, but the rest of those guys are gone. Yeah, I think I, so. I think Jones is a possibility that you could see him get dealt, but then they have like a wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, agreement. That, hey, has that ever worked out? We all, like fans <laughs> I mean, always talk about the wink, wink, nod, nod. Steve Pierce, and then the player, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, and then the player gets traded, and then the player's oh. pissed off that they were traded and won't resign. I mean, they would have to talk. They would have to ha- sit sit him down and talk to him beforehand. And I mean, actually, I, I, I think that's the, illegal. The, I don't well, think they're allowed to do yeah, that. Yeah, I know, but you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean the most recent it happened uh, recently with the Rodgers Chapman. Yeah. Rodgers Chapman happened yeah. with the Rodgers Chapman. Right. The Yankees made out like bandits, right? A bunch of prospects yes. and got and got to resign him. Right, that's true. Uh, I guess I, I think of Miller, where we heard a lot of talk of that at Andrew Miller, and then he was pissed to be traded. Yeah. So, all right, yeah, let's do wink, wink with Adam Jones. So go out, try to try to win a uh, a ring, and we'll see you next year. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean that might sound good for Adam Jones, but if the Orioles won him, because we just mentioned right. all those outfielders we have coming up, like Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Um, yes. And we didn't even mention in that discussion. I don't know if we mentioned Austin Hayes, who I know has struggled a little bit. But he's another prospect right. we have. When, when do we get our Sports Illustrated cover about the team of the future? Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, have to make a couple of trades, right? Yeah. I mean, right. But yeah. I, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Machado's gone. Hopefully Machado brings I think back Blyer's that. Definitely Blyer's, going to. Blyer's your best player right now to trade, <laughs> Wow, which is crazy. I I don't he's not your best player to trade. That's no. He is. No. They, he's, his but, contract's multiple years. Yeah. He's, he's a left-handed bullpen guy. Yeah, those People are hard to find. Spend. People are going to overspend. People on overspend that. on pitching. They I, they will not overspend for Manny Machado. No, do you know who they overspend on for? A a, bull, a late inning bullpen guy who can throw a hundred miles per who's hour. Who's been on the DL for seven years, or who has the, the one of the nastiest sinkers you ever see? I bet Zach Britton right now will get more back than than Blyer. Even Zach Britton is hurt because because Blyer. No one knows how he puts up such good numbers. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, he doesn't have great stuff, but he just always gets people out. And so I think all the Sabre nerds are going to look at it and say, oh, I don't I don't think he'll be able to keep up these numbers. So I, I don't think he's the most – but, I, but when, I mean, this is going to be Blyer's, I think, highest peak value right here. So right. I think, it's, I think it, it would be smart for the world. To, I think Blyer's to, to the type of guy. Blyer you try to trade immediately, like right now, because you never know when he's going to go bust. Well, but if that's what other teams think, then I don't think you're going to get much for him. That's that's my point. So I don't know how how highly valued he right. is. Right. I true. I'd even throw out something that's really odd too. I think Michael Givens is also a piece. I mean, people may say, "Hey, well, why would you why would you get rid of Michael Givens?" But at this at this point in time, I mean, who realistically thinks that the Orioles have a chance? You know, if they do decide maybe not to go that reboot mode. And they actually go a full rebuild. Michael yeah. Givens is also 27 years old. He's not right. a spring chicken, yeah. but he's also a very valuable piece that another team could overspend on. Give the Orioles a couple prospects, and then the Orioles move on. You know, keep building their team up. 
And he, and he's a bullpen guy. Where is the one area the Orioles have had luck in the in the previous years is the bullpen. And even if they're rebuilding the bullpen by weird deals to give guys second life, it's still it's your bullpen. It, it, you can rebuild that a lot and, easier. And unlike Blyer, Michael Givens is a guy with electric stuff. Like other teams will look at that and say, yes. "Wow, like that." Right. I want sure. that thing at the back of my bullpen. Um, but for some reason, I never really understood why Michael Gibbons has always been since he's been up here, like an untouchable guy. Like he, you know, when they talked about who, who who's tradable, right. it was always like, "Well, we're not going to trade Scope or, or Machado right now." And Michael Gibbons, like what? Michael right. Gibbons? <laughs> you think because he's a homegrown guy? Um, he's a, there's a, he's a guy that they've talked about giving him opportunities. Yeah, to start. I think they perceive him as being Zach Britton's replacement. True. I think that Tanner Scott's Zach Britton's replacement, but that's I, yeah, that's something to watch. And I, I'm saying I'm not trying to make that a hot take, but yeah. you know, I yeah. I think watching Tanner Scott, you could you could see that kind of electric stuff. I mean, and yeah. he's a lefty. He's dropping right. He's dropping stuff off the table, throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, that's and, insane. Yeah. yeah. And yesterday, was it yesterday? The one exciting, loaded, the yeah. one exciting moment was with bases loaded, no outs, bringing Tanner Scott in. Yeah. And he was using that 90, he was throwing the ball 98 miles an hour, which was good to see. Yeah. But then he was working the slider. Yeah. And he had a ton of swing and misses. I think it's like, seven or eight swing and misses yep. with the three batters to so strike out three in a row is impressive and that is totally the guy that you want in that ninth inning or that big situation and and still a guy and he's going to be a guy that's really interesting to watch because i'm with kyle that he could be that potential closer but he's not there yet he's raw he's yeah, very raw. right and so we saw them do something interesting last year at Bowie where he would start and pitch two innings every start or three innings whatever it was um to work on his secondary pitch of that slider and his uh, location, but he seems to be pro- progressing. And he's getting a lot. I mean, it feels like he's in almost every game nowadays. And so the Orioles, I think, are are feeling it out here, too. Or showing him off. No. No, I guess he's no. not. He's, not he's, not he's showing yeah, off, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. staying here. But they're f- feeling him out to see, could this be a late-in right. guy? And, that, and if he is that late-in guy, you've got him and Gibbons, so now suddenly let Brock go as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. We have to hurry up and wrap up the show because now, you want to watch the I got a game, game seven, <laughs> Celtics versus LeBron. That's what we got going on here, Celtics versus LeBron. Can LeBron score 100 points to win? Um, let's find out. Let's wrap up the show. Kyle, appreciate you coming down and, and joining us in studio, man. It's fun. Yeah, no problem. It was it was a great time. I'm sorry I didn't let Bert talk. You know, because I was I felt like I was just over. No, no, know. no, man. No, I no. I I have a. Inside information, I've watched exactly five innings of baseball in the past week, and it was all today. <laughs> so uh, I think I did pretty good winging it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, yeah, we we only some we only let Bert talk when the uh, whenever we have a guest on. Oh yeah, Bert usually takes the back seat anyway. So I'm glad Bert said anything today. I I, I have a few opinions on the uh, Chris Davis yeah. situation. Yeah. All right. And I love the drama because yeah. we need something to talk about. It's some boring baseball going on right yeah, now. Yeah, that's why you love the drama. So and we'll see you all at Camden Yards tomorrow, Section 334, Memorial Day, yeah. <laughs> 1 o'clock game. Is it is it hot tomorrow? Is it going to rain I, tomorrow? I, yeah, better question. I'm, tired, rain. I'm tired of hot games and I'm tired of rain. T-shirt giveaway, right? Yeah, yeah. We, you, did you wear this on purpose? That was the Memorial Day shirt last year, I think. I did. And tomorrow I'm planning on wearing the Memorial Day shirt from two years ago. Or is this two, two years ago? I that might be two years Orioles. ago. Oh, in yeah, the, yeah. In the red, white, and blue. I think this is two years ago. Are they going to wear the camo uniforms tomorrow? I like those. Yeah. Yes, they are. Sweet. Wait, wait. You like the camo uniform? Of course I do. I, I have camo pants on. Yeah, camo's camo my shorts, thing, too. You know? 
Yeah. <laughs> you guys can have a camo party it's later. It's my favorite color. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Uh, thanks for checking us out. If, they, if you want to follow Kyle on, on Twitter, you can follow him on Twitter, right? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kyle J. Andrews. Well, not Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle Andrews 1994. Follow me on Twitter. You're confusing everyone now. What's Who's Kyle J. Handle? Andrews? <laughs> yeah, Kyle. I mean, that that's my that's my middle. Well, the J is my middle name. But uh, All right, so Kyle, Kyle Andrews 1994 on Twitter. There, there we go. go. Uh, 1994. Is that when you had your first child? Is that <laughs> yeah, your, right. Uh, <laughs> name of your firstborn. Uh, no, uh, you can. Is that how? Is that when you were born? Yeah, that's when yeah, I was born. Yeah. Shoot, I wanted to make a, di- a divorce metaphor here that I totally forgot about. Okay. Real quick, what? can I make this? I meant to make this on the show and I just forgot. I'm talking about Chris Davis. Okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I've been ma- happily married for for nine of the ten years I've been married. I've been happy. No, I've been happily married for ten years now. Uh-huh. I never really understood why people get divorced. Because, okay. like, you know, you you're with someone, you marry them because you love them. And then as you grow old together, you experience life together, and you like fall more in love, I feel like. And so uh-huh. I never understood why people, like, you love someone, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day, like, ah, I don't love you anymore, and you get divorced. I never understood it. Well, it's usually not overnight. Okay. Well, at any rate, <laughs> you love someone like crazy. You get married well, to Where them. are you going with this? Well, I, I understand divorce now after watching the Orioles. Because I was, like, Chris Davis is that person that you fall in love with. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize, who are you? <laughs> I, I decided to spend the next 10 years of my life with and you? No, and that's where it goes. What did I do? Right. You're not even trying to make this marriage work. Yeah. yeah like, we're not even, we're not even, this isn't a working relationship here. I've made a huge mistake. Yes. <laughs> I don't know anything about, uh, you know, relationships because I've only been in three and uh, none of them have worked out. So Yeah. <laughs> so you, you have know. a bunch of Chris David situations going on. <laughs> You could be fortunate though, because no, they're, they're like Sebastian Telfair situations. <laughs> all you know, it was yeah. Oh, okay. Next time, Kyle, we have you on. We're gonna get into some more relationship talk because this is, has a lot of potential. I feel like yeah, yeah. yeah. Come uh, August, there will be nothing else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, next time it's relationship talk with Kyle. Yeah, um, like like you know, like two days ago was my 15 year anniversary. Yeah. So uh, on top of all the divorce talk, I'll just tell Mandy happy anniversary. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show at Section 236 Show for all the updates and to find out when we do cool things like a Sunday night show. You can follow me on Twitter at Section 336. You can follow Bert on Twitter. At Bert Rohde. And you can follow Josh on Twitter. Get your night at the yard tickets. Just squeezing that in there. Thank you and for that. I'm at Josh Soroka. Is that your whole Twitter handle? <laughs> at Get your 90 yards tickets. See, Josh you, you guys don't handle the uh, business side of the podcast. Thank goodness. Yeah. I got 50 tickets here for a crappy oh, baseball team. Josh is making it rain. Well, I got <laughs> – it's good because I got 50 uh, bags to put on everyone's heads. Yeah, we're, we'll be bringing brown paper bags for that night. So it's not it's not people questioning, Bert, is that your brother-in-law. It's question who's those 50 people sitting in Section 236 <laughs> all wearing bags. Yeah. I, I brought them with me. Maybe yeah. Jim Palmer can join us. Yeah, put a bag on his head. Put a bag on his head. Yeah, those times. And you can follow me on Twitter at Section336. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.